So hey everybody, welcome to episode 228 of the Morning Just Go podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Look, All so righty then. So Tim, you were actually able to get through that one without screwing up. Yeah. <laughs> a new year. It's a, a, a new, new year. Uh, yeah. A new way to do things. It's a new millennium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just we have one fact check thing. And we, we actually did this last year. We talked about uh, Boxing Day and then we were kind of confused about what, what it really means and things. And so I did go back and look it up just for the sake of fact checking it again um, and according to Wikipedia it's a secular holiday celebrated the day after Christmas Day for those of you who don't know it's it's not celebrated in the United States as Mark and I were discussing last week but it was originally a day for when people would do would package up gifts for postmen and errand boys and service servants that uh, would receive boxed up gifts you know in other words the Christmas box but so it was a way of giving presents to kind of like the, the day when the, the milkman or whatever would knock on the door and ask for the package or the, the, you know, the, the box or whatever kind of thing. So that's one of the one of the, the um, known ideas behind Boxing Day. Mm. All right, so uh, let's start off with some follow-up. Um, I think it's Jaime must have put this one up here, but the man in uh, Oregon, I think it is. That wasn't me. I thought it was you. Was it Greg, oh. since it's unnamed? It wasn't me. Maybe Greg must have stealthy put this in here. Okay, well, I'll, I'll follow up on it. This I don't know how far this goes back, but this is a two-year-old story, so I don't know when we started following up on it, and um, followers of the show will know that we... Um, we regularly take take uh, what's the word? Uh, we take offense when I guess when people use the word engineer for uh, our profession, software developers, right? I, I mean, I would love to call myself a software engineer, but here in Ontario and most of Canada, protected term, and it turns out that it's also a protected term in Oregon. And there was a man who was I had actually studied engineering in um, in let me see where is his home country of Sweden, I think. Um, anyway, he was he he'd written a post about. Uh, um, uh, traffic lights and how the yellow light was was too quick, and uh, he got charged with calling himself an engineer in public, even though he wasn't pr- a practicing engineer, right? So by the Board of Examiners of Engineering and Land Surveying in, in Oregon, um, but a judge has upheld his ability under the First Amendment to call himself an engineer because, in fact, he did ha- he had studied it uh, himself, even though he wasn't you know working as an engineer, he was just calling himself an engineer, and that, apparently that uh, well. It's- it's not working as that he wasn't a quote professional engineer, which is right. a which is a thing that you basically have to just pay money and take a little test and you become right. a yeah, yeah, engineer. Yeah. It's it's common for things like civil engineering. It's extremely extremely uncommon for anything in tech. In fact, right. I, I don't know anyone who's ever done it in tech, although I'm, I'm sure some have. But you mean call himself an engineer in tech know, or, or take, been uh, taken the taken the test oh, okay. uh, to become a professional engineer? But but everyone is called an engineer uh, at least down here in tech not everyone but but the, the terms are pretty uh interchangeable developer and engineer yeah and, and i'm seeing it more and more up here in in canada like i'll see um you know posts on linkedin they'll ask for software engineers or postings you know on on hired sites and stuff like that i'll, mm-hmm. I'll see it and and it kind of like you know it's, it piques my interest because you know my father was a professional engineer right so that's mm-hmm. why i know knew about the, the use of the word but and what branch uh, of engineering did he do he was a mechanical engineer mechanical engineer 
Okay. Yeah, and my uncle was an electrical engineer, and I think my uh, nephew Timothy, by the same name, is also a some kind of engineer. I forget now. Uh, oh no, actually, my his, his older brother uh, Matthew is a nuclear engineer. So I guess a uh, mm-hmm. what would that would be? I forget what that one is, but yeah, he works up in a, up of a nuclear plant up in uh, Petawawa, I think. Anyway, uh, I have a friend who works up there now. Oh yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Matthew uh, Holmes is his name. Anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, so I, I like I said, you know, I would love to be able to put engineer on my on my software engineer on my uh, a LinkedIn profile, and I probably could, but the reality is is that uh, like my title is not software engineer at work, you know. Um, but uh, but you you do see it, and I do see it on people's resumes and stuff like that from time to time. And I do know many people who have you know the iron ring that that they wear up here on their pinky to signify that they're an engineer, and and I'm sure some of them have probably taken the test as you were as you mentioned but anyway so this guy's been um his uh federal judge has uh um i guess ruled against the fit the state law uh, governing who can call himself an engineer we'll post a link in the show notes yeah i think in this case it, it, it kind of suffered on two sides i think the reason it even got a lot of attention is because that board was using that um that law sort of punitively right and they were using it in my opinion again not a lawyer um they were using it to suppress things that they didn't like for example, this guy rightfully called out, hey, I did these measurements and this doesn't make sense. It doesn't account for like left turn slowing down time. And the other part was that it was, um, as far as the United States handles uh, freedom of speech and our particular view on it, it was way too restrictive on speech, given what they were actually trying to do, right? They were trying to make sure you can't misrepresent yourself as being an engineer, but really that's more meaningful in uh, commercial context, right? Like you go and bid on, you know, some government project and say, hey, I am Bob. I am an engineer. That's what they were trying to address. Not, hey, I am Bob. Um, I'm an engineer. And here's these things I think in non-commercial context, right? In non-governmental context, like just casually talking right now. And I think it's kind of similar to, um, you know, if you're seeing like those uh, MTV shows or let's say radio shows say, oh, I'm I'm Bob and I'm the love doctor. I don't really see the medical boards coming out and, and try to pull that person behind the curtain and, and shut them down, right? Because I think people rightfully understand that that's the case. And I think for engineers, it, it's a little bit weird to um, to try to regulate something that like no random individual citizen will use uh, and be mistaken for, right? Like, you know, okay, great. I claim I'm Bob. I'm an engineer. Um, I'm very certain that whatever government contract or commercial contract comes up says, hey, great, show us your documentation that proves that you're an engineer, right? Like, like in the civil engineering sort of circumstance. Um, it's not as if random people are going to go up off the street and be confused. And I think that's why we get a little bit more attention towards the uh, lawyer aspect and the uh, medical doctor aspect because individuals do go out and seek those. And I think with maybe the exception of the one carve out of like, you know, love doctor or something, you know, truly ridiculous, we generally don't end up clamping down on that. Yeah. And this gentleman, um, Matt Jarlstrom also holds a, a bachelor's degree in the science of engineering from Sweden is what I was saying earlier. So, so technically studied engineering. So, uh, but it was interesting though, is that it's Beaverton resident, Matt George, and, and up here in Toronto area, we have a comedy or a fictitious city called Beaverton, and they have a, a, a fake um, news TV program where they do these ridiculous sto- 
stories, and uh, the name of the show is Beaverton. So when I saw the headline saying Beaverton resident Matt Strolsom, blah, 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 I thought it was a joke at first. Mm. So thanks, Greg. <laughs> that was Greg. That's interesting. Given the beaver and its uh, importance yeah. in a political history for Canada, I'm surprised that there isn't a Beaverton somewhere in Canada. No, I mean, and that's the thing. There is. It's a fictitious uh, fictitious city with a, this fictitious news story. It's pretty funny, actually. They're, they're kind of ridiculous. But, well, you um, know, there are, are, the official mascot of MIT is the beaver, Tim the beaver. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow. yeah. Uh, and uh, so the reason is that the beaver is nature's engineer. Oh. Mm, so maybe in Beaverton, they, they take it pretty seriously. Well, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh-huh. Or not, depending on which part of Beaverton, which Beaverton you're talking about. I'm talking about the real one in Oregon. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, all right. So there's a couple of, did you post this one here about Apple updates Q1 guidance? Was that? No, I'm guessing you, without a name. CBC? I'm guessing it wasn't <sighs> any one of us. It was probably great. Yeah. Well, yeah. So so this just this just came out today. And, and I, don't know if you, I don't know if you guys had a chance to read this, but it was talking yeah. about um, Apple's um, claim here. And then I've also posted something from um, uh, Gruber, uh, John Gruber, what posted on Daring Fireball, um, his sort of take on on the uh, the call. So, Mark, do you, do you have any background on the, this call today? Yeah, I mean, it's you know we've been we've been speculating about things for a long time. There's been a lot of rumors for seems like months now that uh, this was coming, and we we never took it too seriously because uh, you know you shouldn't take rumors too seriously. But now we got to take it pretty seriously. This is for real. Uh, this is this is pretty big. I mean, Apple hasn't done this in in I don't know like since like 2002 years. Yeah, it's been a long time, and it's showing that uh, there's there's some so there's something up. There's some real issues. Uh, it's not clear whether it's you know it's just peak iPhone and this was coming naturally. I tend to think it's not that because I think they could have forecasted that a little bit better. Three, you know, three months ago in the last earnings announcement. Uh, so yeah, it does look like it's it's. I mean, I, I think the article does explicitly say that it's China uh, and likely to do with the the trade war we're in, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, they do say it's China. It's interesting. Some of the stats that were in here were that. Uh, I think maybe in the Gruber article said that, you know, um, in 2007, they sold a bunch of phones and in 2008, they sold, you know, more than that. And then 2009, they sold even more. Like it was just, it was like, you know, in 2009, they sold more than 2007 and 2008 combined and 2010. So they've been growing and growing and growing, always, you know, doubling or quadrupling the, the, the number of phones they sold. And they've kind of maybe hit uh, a peak. And that, and so they're kind of relying on big markets like China, which is like three, what, 30 times the size of the United States in, ter- in terms of potential sales. Um, and when that takes a hit, you know, that's it's going to cost Apple some money. And uh, so that's what, what uh, apparently Tim Cook was talking about this morning uh, or today uh, about the fact that uh, that they're going to have to drop their, I think, what, let me just see if I find the number here. So they had initially said, um, they had estimated 89 to 93 billion in sales and they dropped it down to 84 billion. So I don't know if that, will that, do you think that'll affect the stock price tomorrow kind of thing, Mark, or, or uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you think it goes down and good things happen, it's going to go way, way down and bad things happen. And people panic, I think. Well, it said it was down 7% and when trading was... So he, they had halted trading while they made the announcement and then, right. they, then it went well, down 7% so you, 20 minutes later. You can later. never take 
after hours trading too seriously. Uh, oh, after hours, right? Yeah. That that was yeah. That was all after hours. Uh, the reason is that it's not after hours trading is a secondary market. It's not the real market. Uh, so volumes are are very low. Uh, it's people basically doing their own. You know, some some brokers will allow you to to trade after when the market's not actually open based on their own pool of you know supply that they have. Uh, but uh, but since the number since the the volume tends to be very low, uh, things tend to get magnified. So you yeah, can't take it too right. seriously. Uh, but having said that, you know, it's, this is this is not a good thing. Um, it's possible that the market has already accounted for a lot of this uh, in the last big drop because it did drop by a lot. Uh, and you know, when when Apple said in their last earnings announcement, I guess you know, and I, I said earlier that they didn't forecast this, but but maybe they were hinting at it when they when they when they said they weren't going to break out the iPhone numbers separately anymore. So they, right, they, yeah. they probably had some inkling that something something wasn't quite right. Maybe they didn't know for sure, or maybe they had some hope that it was going to recover, uh, or maybe they had hope that the that the uh, the trade war issues were going to go away by now. Um, and, and that's actually a typical thing to do. I mean, companies won't warn until they absolutely have to, because you know it, it, it's always possible that things will recover and uh, before the end of the quarter, and and then things aren't as bad as as they seem. But but once they warn, yeah, I mean. It's it's a pretty dire thing when a company warns. That means something's really, really not good. Yeah, and it doesn't bode well for everybody because it's not because I mean Apple being the biggest company in the world or right now I guess the biggest valuation or whatever. I think maybe they're going to pass by something else. But the fact that they're suffering means that everybody else is going to suffer in, in turn, right? Like, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not necessarily everyone, but but you know certainly anyone else who deals with China uh, and other tech companies that are part of the Apple ecosystem uh, will certainly suffer suppliers and whatnot uh, and probably similar you know peer companies who are who are not necessarily in the ecosystem will also suffer just as a collateral damage kind of thing if people are worried about buying phones they're or worried about you know Apple is a bellwether right uh, you know if, if as Apple goes the market goes in some sense so so even if let's just say Samsung uh, doesn't have any issues of their own if people get spooked by this then they might they might uh, sell Samsung or, or even Google stock or whatever so probably they will so yeah, yeah. no it's, it's not good it's not good um, as I was saying though it's it's possible that some of this is already baked in based on on the the warning that Apple gave and based on just the all the rumors so it's possible that tomorrow we'll see a, a spike down but then it'll recover because uh, people think it's over oversold it's, it's possible right right yeah but yeah. I'd be wary about buying on the dip at this point because I mean right. I'm no expert you know talk to your yeah. financial advisor it's Etc. Et yeah, for entertainment purposes uh, only. Yep, exactly. Yep. I, I'd be wary about about buying on the dip at this point. On the other hand, uh, this could trigger capitulation, which capitulation is when you know there's there's always some holdouts to people who who are optimistic and are just holding on, thinking that you know the that things are not going to get any worse. And and capitulation is basically when they give up and they just sell. Right. Right. And yeah. and that's when the stock hits hits its bottom. And that's always if you can time that, that's the best time to buy because it's only going up from there. But you know, right, who knows? Right. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes at this point in time with, all the, with all what's we going on in the U.S. politically. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm I'm starting to get worried about macro effect. You know, is, are we going to have a recession in the next year? I, I My guess is we will, um, but who knows? And if we do have a recession, then, then um, you know, then the market will, will not be happy about that. No, and in, in general, as well, it's, it's hard to say what will happen, even if we don't have a recession. But if, if interest rates go up more, which they, probably will 
if if the if well either the economy will turn down or it won't right <laughs> one or the other uh, if the economy does turn down interest rates probably won't go up anymore might even go down uh, although there's not too far for them to go down uh, but if the economy just keeps going strongly then interest rates will keep going up and that's an incentive for people to pull take mo- take money out of the stock market there you can basically get that means you can you can you can get risk free uh, interest right and if you get mo- the more interest you can get in a in a you know a risk free uh, account um, the more likely people who are more conservative are going to pull it out of stocks which are inherently risky and put it put their money more into uh, you know more fixed income stuff to get to get the uh, get away from the risk so so as pull, as people pull money out of the market obviously the market will go down so I think there's yeah. there's a pretty good chance that the market has the market overall has further to go down but again I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a financial advisor don't take my advice do your own sure, yeah speaking of uh, big changes coming uh, I mean why don't you tell us about what Apple's doing in India yeah um, I think we talked before about older iPhone devices being made in or manufactured uh, or probably final assembled when we say that uh, in India and that being largely a way to avoid the rather high um, tariffs on imported smartphones and it looks like uh, in early 2019 uh, Apple's going to start building more of the high-end iPhone models and, and presumably that means newer iPhone models there um, this particular one we have here linked to the show notes for those of you driving at home doesn't really talk about it and maybe I looked at a different one um, there was some speculation that would be um, smartphones just for the Indian market but I mean I'm not a, an economic advisor or an economist but it kind of seems that if this trade war between the United States and China um, stays protracted or gets worse I mean it would be sensible to have an alternative source for importing to the United States right where you you don't have a trade war going on between India and the USA um, so that's that's sort of what I'm looking forward to in 2019 is you know reading the tea leaves to see if Apple starts making motions towards doing exactly that yeah and the article that you have posted here it says that uh, Apple's been assembling iPhones in India since 2017 starting with the iPhone SE and followed by the iPhone 6s earlier this year so the, the report is maybe the iPhone 10 and other phones will be made there so interesting to see but I mean the other thing too is I mean like in markets like India where it's really expensive prohibitively expensive to buy an iPhone for most people uh, maybe it's a way of, of bringing the price down for them as well which it seems to be a strategy that Apple rightly or wrongly has used in recent months right trying to reduce the price of things so there was an article that uh, Gruber points out in in the, I think we talked about it back in November that uh, Apple may have mis- misjudged the price of the iPhone uh, 10R because people you know it's too expensive for most people's tastes right so it's all good and yeah like you said the trade war is a huge huge incentive for Apple to move out of China yeah and I think the um, the economic cycle we have coming uh, again I'm also again not an economist but I have felt that a recession is a year or two away it just feels like 2008 it feels like 2000 it feels like things are ready for a correction um I've certainly been doing things in accordance with that but I do think that having you know some regularity towards your business is probably the key thing that not only for Apple but probably also for indie devs or people who are working for uh, development shops I think the trend towards trying to get a subscription service um, rather than let's say as opposed to upfront paid app or even uh, freemium type stuff can can be kind of not that great unless your freemium model is the kind like some of those games we've talked about that have you repeated 
immediately buying in-app purchases, right? The uh, consumable ones. Uh, and presumably your game is designed in such a way to keeps the person's attention and desire to keep using those. Um, I do think sort of going forward for 2019, but we'll see an even bigger push towards subscription type services for apps. Um, there's a new app out there, uh, Capsicum. That's like a to-do-ish app. I apologize. <laughs> I've only seen it on Twitter and I haven't really followed it. Um, but yeah. surprise, surprise. It, That's it, it ish, is right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, surprise, surprise, it is a um, notable new app and it is a subscription-based app because I think that's sort of the, the way you want to go to um, not try to go to larger acquisition of ever greater and greater iPhone users. Um, who knows what's happening with Apple's correction here, but even Apple itself is pushing like, hey, Apple Music, you know, go subscribe to it. Oh, uh, six months free on Verizon if you join through there. So I, I can see more of that happening for both um, us at the uh, sort of worker bee level, individual level, as well as the larger company level like Apple, Google, Microsoft, and so forth. Right. Did you see this as a sidebar? Did you see um, uh, Curtis Herbert's post uh, this weekend about the numbers, sale numbers from the last few years? of is he switched over to subscription model yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it was the one thing that you know pretty soon he's gonna have to start doing amazon charts um so that he won't have to give out precise numbers but it, with oh, the precise yeah. numbers we have here it's it's pretty clear how much more effective that subscription model has been for him um now granted yeah, things yeah. have changed i think last or well, i guess the last episode was on so two episodes ago we talked about the change in the in-app subscription uh model you know, that you can do where you can you can share that sort of stuff and gifting and other things that uh, as things have loosened up it Max is up a little bit nicer with the sort of thing that um, Curtis is trying to do with the slopes, uh, snowboard pass tracking thing, because uh, it, it kind of mirrors the way real world people use that, right? Like I remember borrowing somebody else's pass to go snowboarding, and I'm pretty sure I let somebody borrow my pass before too. So this is getting a little bit closer right, to, right. to emulating that real world activity. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, we sort of, dem- I mean, there were a whole lot of things wrong. We've been talking about this for four years about the the pay once model for an app. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't support you know upgrades it doesn't support bug fixes it doesn't support the developer over a long term whereas uh, the subscription model while it's a smaller amount of money being paid over time it does add up to to a reasonable amount of income for for a lot of independent developers right so and we've seen a lot of people leave the market because that whole gold rush of sell it once and make a bundle of money um, which is what was happening back in 2008 2009 um, you know so there were like five developers out there writing apps you know um, exaggerating of course but um, that's over time. I think the subscription model has sort of been a, a you know you want you want a recurring income you know to be able to sustain your business if you're even if you're a small guy right. So um, either you got to have keep adding in things that make the the you know, in app purchases to make the the app have more value like a game that adds new levels and that kind of things or new challenges. I think you guys know which game I'm talking about. But um, yeah, you got to got to find some way to make sustainable income right everywhere like small guys, big guys. I think that's the key phrase there is is sustainable from much earlier in the smartphone life cycle um, and, and towards the beginning of this very podcast that's going up on five years in 2019. We'll, we'll hit that marker later this year. It's fewer of the uh, huge home runs of, oh my gosh, this person you know didn't know how to code and they spent a weekend, they created you know a beer app, a fart app or whatever, and they're a multimillionaire and they've retired at the age of 30, you know that sort of thing. But we're now, I think we'll see um, more of the, oh, there is a reasonably solid set of folks who are making uh, this replaces my job kind of money. Uh, I'm not going to go, you know, have yacht and helicopter money uh, and go buy an island off the coast of Costa Rica or something, but um, I don't have to go into work and I can dedicate myself fully to this um, activity. I think that's probably what we'll see more of. Uh, and, and I think probably, I mean, these are open because Curtis put them on Twitter, but that was like jaw 
Albert placement money, right? It wasn't uh, go buy an island, build some skyscraper sort of money. But hey, that's still pretty good, though, for being able to do this sort of thing from, you know, the comfort of your own couch. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The dream is as independent developers to make enough money that, that equivalent to, make, to having a job and not having to go and write somebody else's code, write something you're passionate about, that kind of stuff, right? So there's a lot of, in- a lot of interesting things there. I was listening to the guys who wrote Castro on uh, release notes last week. Um, same sort of thing. They, they, you know, they built this podcast thing because they wanted to have a podcast app and um, then they kept were at it for four years. They're really passionate about it, but they, they ended up selling it to, uh, I think Tiny is the name of the company that bought them. Um, they continue to stay on as and write the app, but now they're employees of the Tiny people, right? So uh, just because that, that became a, a much more way of, of engaging these guys because they don't have to worry about the sales cycle and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different ways to build, build your business up and that's what we're trying to promote here for people, right? Uh, ideally, mm-hmm. you know, the, it becomes self-sustaining, right? So, that said, even podcasts cost money, folks. So, you know, throw us a nickel or a dime or, or a dollar over on Patreon.com to keep us going here. <laughs> that's my, my pitch. Nothing? You guys got nothing for me? <laughs> I was going to say, you know, <laughs> any, any amount helps. Literally even a dollar a month helps. Nobody's gonna, I'm not going to snub my nose at a dollar. Um, there also is, as far as I know, no upper limit other than max int, I would guess. So uh, whatever whatever feels like, you know, if uh, Mr. Bill Gates or Mr. Bezos are out there and they enjoy the show. Sure. It sure would help and we're us. happy to reward, reward our fans, you know, with, with T-shirts and pins and things if they're, uh, if they're so inclined, you know. Um, actually, the, 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 another thing that's happening, just to talk about podcasting for a minute, is a lot of podcasts are going to this this new uh, model where you have a username and a password and you log in to, see, to get specific episodes as opposed to, like, just everyone being free. That's another thing. I think that's going to be coming in the future where, you know, you have a, like uh, we're seeing paywalls in, in newspapers now and, and uh, sort of on news websites. Um, I would be surprised if in the future, you know, you're going to get, you know, like kind of like a Netflix kind of access to content before it's available to, to the public. Right. And a lot of people, a lot of, I know a lot of people who publish on the web that I know of who've tried that kind of model over time. Right. So it's a, it's a matter of time where, you know, the, the, the market's going to turn. Not everything's going to be free for people. Right. So maybe we should form a podcast consortium with a yeah. Other ones and charge Maybe we uh, charge a subscription to get a whole set of podcasts. Sure. That way, you know, if someone's just not interested in in one particular podcast, we can right. spread the wealth a little bit. Pick and choose. Well, there actually is. A, there are a couple of um, podcast groups that are like that, where you can support the podcasts. Um, like you, you basically support the the consortium, if, as it were, and then they they're able to publish podcasts that are you know maybe new, not so big and, and you know not so not so small, like, you know, so they've, they've, um, um, I don't want to name names, but there are, there are some out there, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody's getting a podcast. I'm sure Kim Kardashian's going to have a podcast in six months and, you know, all the, all the big celebs are starting to have them now too. So some are really interesting, but not, not all of them. I mean, that's our sidebar. Yeah. I think the last thing I'll, I'll say on that one is it occurs to me that I've listened to some podcasts where they do completely different content. So I think you mentioned the early access oh, right, to content. Yeah. Um, like I think LeVar Burton reads does that. I think if you're subscribed, you get it a week earlier, if I'm not mistaken. But there are other shows, like I'll point out Acquire.fm, one that I highly recommend for folks who are interested in uh, the merger and acquisition and uh, IPO sort of world. Um, they have a, a regular show. It's free. And then they have a, uh, they choose they chose a cute um, VC-oriented name for it. It's like a venture partner or something um, that gets completely different content. So uh, almost like side story episodes. And they gave one of those out for free recently. And I, I loved it because I, I love the show. I love that. And it makes me think about... Uh, 
us where it's like, oh, you know, more than just code. Maybe we have a um, subscription feed for nothing but after show, <laughs> kind of the complete polar opposite of this show. Where, or maybe we let people listen to us live while we're recording. You know, yeah, yeah. I know. There's lots of different ways to do it. And then to make it truly mana, wouldn't the that be exciting? Nothing, nothing but after shows. After show will be us talking about <laughs> <laughs> nothing but code, just straight up code. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, speaking of uh, things that are happening and cool things happening in your neighborhood, honey, what's the story about Apple and its new jobs? Yeah, this is um, an article about Dan Morton on uh, MacWorld talking about you know what Apple's new job additions tell us about its product plans. That's the title of it, and it goes over the various locations. Like we've mentioned, uh, San Diego um, looks like they're hiring a lot of folks in the wireless sort of skill. Um, and it's a surprise, surprise. Qualcomm's headquarters are in San Diego, so people are looking to jump ship. That's sort of where you would want to build your your base. And Apple is, of course, doing a lot in there. Like we've talked about their W1 chip in the AirPods and Beats headphones and other things that clearly they want to do more and more with that um, wireless device and networking. As you alluded to, um, Seattle has a lot going on. Uh, Siri, before this article even came out, I knew a big chunk. I'm not sure how big, but it certainly seemed like a significant chunk of Siri was being done here in the Seattle area. Um, I think we've talked about the fact that Turi was a Seattle company that got acquired and their right. tools mm-hmm. into Turi Create and the um, Coromel sort of stuff got pulled in together. And apparently content is being done in uh, Culver City. So I guess that makes sense. because Didn't we say last episode Culver City's near like SoCal? area LA LA yeah, Cal- I think Culver yeah. City is right next to LA yeah so it's that makes a lot of sense yeah so what does content mean like news and stuff like that or what is it what's content I think it's all the media type stuff they want to do remember we talked about like you know new peanuts Snoopy episodes and oh right uh, yeah know, okay. uh, Netflix style original series well that reminds me I wasn't on the show when you guys were talking about that because that was the week that I missed and and um, uh, I was yelling at my phone of course when I was listening to it, when I was editing it but um, Jennifer Aniston is apparently doing a new series and it's being paid for by Apple. So there's there are some big names going into into production for different shows that are going to be on some sort of televised device, if you know what I'm trying to say, right? You know, streaming near you. So that's that's coming in the future. Although even Apple Apple hasn't really said much what they're doing with their sort of their TV content, but apparently there are some big name shows being made right, as right. we speak. And I really wish this article, I mean, it, it talks about the fact that, um, you know, we mentioned the large uh, facility or campus, I guess, in the Austin area. I really wish I knew more about what that was going to do. But I'll throw in one that I didn't see in this article, which is, um, let's see if I can find it. It's a completely separate article that said that there's going to be a pretty big bump in the Apple Music-based uh, hires in the Tennessee area, which makes really? a whole lot of sense mm. to me because Memphis and Nashville have a metric ton of music. Well, maybe they can go to Tammy's restaurant when, they're getting, when they get hungry. <laughs> right. And I, mean, I just assume there's going to be live. I haven't talked to Tammy, so I apologize if I'm putting her on the hook. I kind of feel like there will be live music in her restaurant because um, there was live music every, everywhere in Nashville. Maybe Dolly will show up. Yeah, exactly. Wait, Tammy has a restaurant now? She's opening a restaurant with her husband, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, th- I think she said it in her driveway, but I don't know if that's really what I heard. But, huh. you know, yeah. Is it a barbecue restaurant? <laughs> I'm not sure. They were battering things in her kitchen the other day, so I'm not sure what, what hmm. they're, they're they're working on, the, the various recipes and stuff like that. So, hmm. yeah, more power to them. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, so I guess that does make sense with, with Culver being close to L.A. and content creation, right? Like, because uh, isn't that like Hollywood's 
game, right, Mark? Yeah, exactly. Down there, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, your proximity to the you know the people who do the do the work, you know, it makes sense. All right. Um, do you have one more here? But speaking of content, you've got one here about oh Netflix. Yes, I heard about this one the other day. Uh, why don't you fill us in there, Jaime? Yeah, it combines both content and subscription services, which we were talking Wait, about. Wow, it's like the content subscription episode. <laughs> right. Um, so apparently, Netflix has pulled the iTunes billing uh, out for new users. So rather than using the in-app purchase model to subscribe to Netflix, if you're a new user, um, I haven't seen this because I'm not. Uh, I am an existing user, so I don't know what it looks like in uh, the iOS app. But presumably, it says, "Hey, great, you created an account. You don't get anything, <laughs> and we can't tell you how to go get it. But uh, people will know that you can go to Netflix's website, sign up, you know, for the subscription billing part through the website, and then go back over to the Netflix app for iOS and view the content. So yeah, this is huge actually because I, I I read I saw something about this article. Not in this. This one doesn't talk about it, but I saw something like eight hundred million um, dollars was involved in in what Netflix um, deals with, like the business Apple deals with Netflix, and Netflix is like their biggest uh, app uh, on the App Store. So or the app income wise, so it's this is a big deal. Yeah, I, I think Netflix is probably also realizing that hey, a recession is coming. We need to make sure we get more dollars towards us, and how can we do that? Well, let's remove Apple's thirty or fifteen percent, depending on on where they are in that cycle. Um, cut and just get a hundred percent of that dollar for ourselves. Um, granted, that's at the expense of usability. It's not going to be as seamless for users, but I do think that Netflix is a big enough company where if you really wanted Netflix, you'll be able to just do a quick Google search and find out how to do it. Uh, you'll, you'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's so many different ways to get Netflix. You don't need to have an iOS device to do it. So that makes that that's kind of makes sense for them. But here, like it says, I'm reading from an article that uh, I found here. It says, according to data from Sensor Tower cited by TechCrunch, that Netflix grossed $853 million in the iOS app store in 2018. So at today's 15% t- platform take, that means Apple subscription programs could face a reduction of more than $120 million in revenue. There goes the stock again, eh? Um, if the <laughs> yeah, subscriber yeah. numbers uh, go up in 2019. Isn't, isn't that much for Apple. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's a, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a hangnail to Apple, I guess, right? Yeah. yeah. But then if it becomes a bellwether for other large apps saying, hey, Netflix did it and nobody bit their head off, you know, the, the market didn't go crazy or consumers didn't go crazy and, and have a backlash. So it might convince well, others to, say, to but do Apple the same. bit their own head off because, you know, when Audible came out and, and you could buy the books through Audible or, or I think what happened was the iOS app would send you over to the Audible store and you could buy books through the Audible app, right? Some, you know, through a web view or whatever. Apple took a big, took offense at that and said, you can't do that in the app. We're going to pull it from the store, whatever. So Audible said, fine. Ever since, like for the last five, five years or so, you've not been able to buy a book on the Audible app. You've had to go to the Audible website and buy the book with your Amazon login, but you can still listen to the content in, in the app. So it's the same Apple put shot themselves in their own foot in this case. I don't feel sorry for them at all in this case. They've, they've already set it up, set up the precedent for that. Yeah, I, I, think, I don't know that this is like a one-size-fits-all sort of thing, because I imagine there are folks out there wondering, like, like how does this make sense? And I think for smaller apps, the like we can talk about whether the 30% cut or even the 15% cut is um, you know appropriate for you know the level of value exchange that you're getting as a developer. I'm not going to argue that specific point, but I think I would argue that when you're at the level of Netflix, it offers almost zero value versus individual developers of like not having to deal with all the hassle of billing and chargebacks and all these other yeah, things. Exactly, and, exactly, and, yeah. you know, discovery, you know, I, I know we've talked about discovery not being all that great, especially as it once was early on in the app store, but it's, it's certainly non-zero for, um, you know, smaller individual or independent developers. 
But for Netflix, nobody like was convinced by the App Store's you know editor team like, oh, I, I'd never heard of Netflix. I, maybe I should try it. No, it's it's like electricity. Everybody knows it exists. And if you wanted it, you probably just search directly for Netflix rather than show me apps that give me subscription based service or content. Right. So I, I can see where on the Netflix sort of scale, it just it, it doesn't make any sense that they're willing to go deal with the hassles themselves. I think pretty similarly to I hope we talked about in the show. Um, the uh, Fortnite game is like so huge that mm-hmm. that they said, you know, what? we don't feel like giving Google Play, you know, our their cut of the money either. But just go to our own app store and sideload this app and, and buy it through our store. I, I think it makes sense of those scales um, to, to do this sort of thing. I, I don't know that it's necessarily applicable as you go further down into the, the scale of this work. I heard that Fortnite was free. Is it like that? I heard somebody talking about it on the radio. I don't know anything about it. I know of it, but, but apparently it's a free app. And then is it, you're saying there's in app purchases through the site or something like that? Or yeah, all sorts of weird customizations like um, victory dances and adornments and colors. That oh, you can put those all those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's kind of more the League of Legends style where they got huge by having tons of people get excited about it and enter into it free and then give you things that do not impact your ability to win. Although I guess color right, might right. make it harder for you to be seen. So there's a slight advantage there. But I think for the large part, it's like if your horse has a, you know, a top hat or a hard hat on that doesn't really impact its survivability in the game, for example. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. All right. Well, I think we're at the picks part of the show here, aren't we? I believe we are. Quick. Yeah. So mine is a, a real quick uh, pick here. Um, it's a video I saw on Twitter, um, and uh, it says the person posted uh, Manic uh, Manic Rathi says he didn't know this was possible, and it's a way of it's kind of like shift clicking um, when you're organizing uh, apps and you want to put them into folders. Um, you have to have a folder. Re- I'm going to describe it because it's a video format, right? But you have a folder that's ready to receive apps, and you have a bunch of loose apps that you want to sort of put into that folder. So you you, you know press and hold to get the the jiggly uh, apps, so you can start moving them around. You can edit the screen. But as you, if you hold down on one app and you tap other apps, they they fly underneath the same the the app you're holding down with the one finger, and then you can drag the group into uh, into a folder. It's kind of a handy way to, to organize them. It may actually be in the in the Apple Manual for all I know, but I haven't read it. That's an interesting little little trick there. I hadn't heard about that one. Sounds like a good one. Yeah, I I may have in the back of my brain thought that this was possible when they showed us the multi-selection sort of thing that first started an iPad. But I, I I looked at this tweet and I said, oh, I didn't know you could actually do that in a in a conscious sort of way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have the uh, while while you're doing your thing, I'll look up in my iBooks here to see if I've got the manual if it says anything about that because it looks like a fairly recent. It's it's similar to the multi multi touch multi gesture stuff that they were doing uh, on the iPads, right? Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. But this. Uh, Again, since the visual, this is on iPhone that they're doing for the, the Twitter yeah. video. Well, I have the iPhone user guide here, so oh, this is for 11.4. Um, yeah, so uh, have you got a pick there, Harmony? I do. I think, you know, it's the beginning of the year. People probably have New Year's resolutions in mind. Um, learning new skills is probably one of those. So I'm choosing learntalks.com, which is, who is this by? It's his Twitter account. This is Koa, who is at onmyway133 on Twitter. And he's collected, I don't know what the source is. It probably has this up on GitHub somewhere as the source, but it's a nice little site where you can view various different, uh, as it says on the tin, awesome conference and meetup talks from things like Functional Swift uh, Conf to Ruby Conf. Uh, it has a little sidebar that you can open up that will show you individual events like, let's say, 360 iDev or Android Summit. Uh, what are the things going to see here? Uh, NS Spain 
Berlin, RailsConf, React Amsterdam, and so on and so forth. Um, I think some of these videos I've seen, and it probably is a repeat of some of the things we said, but there are also new things, as I mentioned, like uh, KotlinConf, if you're interested in checking that out, or if you're doing a lot of JavaScript, you could check out the uh, JSConf Asia videos. And, and there's like a whole ton here. I think you could spend a lot of your, uh, your a lot of your lunch hours eating your soup and sandwich and, and watching these and learning a new skill. Cool. These are just videos from different, uh, or is it all from the same conference or? No, multi, it's multiple different languages, or, uh, programming languages, multiple different um, conferences. I don't know if it covers different sites. Let me take a look at 360 idea real quick. Well, we had, there was another link that we talked about, I guess, six months ago, maybe a year ago, where somebody had um, collected conference talks from various different conferences, like a dev videos kind of site. I think it was DevTube. Like was DevTube, similar. Yeah. Like, the weird thing with these is I'm really unclear on what the sources that they're using to acquire these. Like, is it just one individual or one, you know, small group of individuals who says, oh, that's cool. Let me add it to the list. Or as I'm seeing more and more common with a lot of these sorts of um, auto-generated sites where it's backed by some sort of GitHub data, uh, project data, right? Like a repository, uh, probably JSON or CSV format that says, oh, you know, here's the category for uh, Swift and here's the category for Android and here's the category for React. And then people can submit via pull request, a, oh, hey, here's this new conference or here's this new set of videos sort of thing. And I'm hoping that we can see more community-based stuff to keep these things ongoing and start having a sort of a one-stop shop for a lot of these things rather than I, what I think unfortunately happens is you get an initial push and then without a community, you know, the individual might sort of get tired of doing it or not have the time to do it or whatever the case may be. And it just sort of stays as a frozen in time sort of thing. And I'm hoping this one and DevTube and a couple others, hopefully they can keep that momentum going. But for the very least, um, the new stuff that's here looks like it ought to be good. Like, uh, oh, look, Tammy Coron, Wired for Connections, your keynote at 360 IDA from September 17th, oh, 2018. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, I didn't get to go this year, so um, I'll go check that one out. Oh, 360 IDA, look at that. Wonderful error in there. There are nine pages of, oh, it looks like the category 360 IDA also includes the 360 AMDEV in Chicago mm -hmm. Roboto, mm -hmm. so I do wonder about some of that. It's a bad search just looking for 360, I guess. Yeah, it could be. Gene McDonald. Oh, there's some 2017 talks here. Keep looking. Danny Clayton, page four. Oh, there we are, right there. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, I just searched for it within the little search sidebar. And I can see ours from 360 IDEV 2017. Tim Mitra mm -hmm. and Amy Lopez, being a developer, better developer by talking. September 1st, 2017. Yep, we apologize for the sound in advance. <laughs> we'll link in the show notes for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, what do you know? We're famous, almost. Or I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, me. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you. Mark R at smapsoft.com. Wow, that was clear. <laughs> um, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. And so I guess until next week, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. 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 If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
kind of a, a, a dead time of the year. We got lucky that all that Apple news came out all yeah. at once. Yeah. yeah. Sort of lucky. <laughs> <laughs> sort of lucky. Yeah. Still looking for this iPhone manual. I didn't see that thing in the in the iPhone manual when I looked, but let's see if Apple has a new one for 12. Here we go, 12.11. They have an iPod Touch manual, too. Wow. Do you guys have a good uh, holiday time period? We tried. Were you in El Paso? I was. I went to go see the Sun Bowl game where um, Stanford defeated uh, Pitt. That'd be uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, 14-13. So it was a defensive struggle. Um, it, was, uh, it was really good weather, so that was great. Stadium was reasonably full. It wasn't completely sold out. So did you hear about all this? stuff about them dropping off immigrants at bus stations or something so one of the um encampments where they separate the the parents and the children is in mm. um, is it near anthony well, it's, it's like a small town just outside of el paso so it, in terms of metro area that's definitely the el paso metro area which is mm. a, a rather sad claim to fame unfortunately in 2018 yeah yeah for what is worth i didn't see it actually happening again because it's not in mm-hmm. the city itself but yeah given that we're a major border cross it, it didn't surprise me that that was one of the processing areas. Mm, scary stuff. Speaking of, of, of uh, cable stuff, I just joined um, YouTube TV today as my sort of final move oh, yeah? of cutting the, the cable cord. So I'll have to remember in a month or so to, to talk about that as content on the show. Yeah, I signed up for Apple Music too, by the way. And then I went to look at prices on, on the HomePod and they're still $400 or whatever. So that's really a long time. I, I got mine for 250 I know. I, they dropped them like, did you get it from Apple that way or from Best Buy or something? Got it from Best Buy. Yeah, I heard that. We, we talked about that on a show a couple of weeks ago that Best Buy yeah. had dropped 100 yeah. bucks or off or whatever, right? But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Have to see if it's a one and done product like Jaime predicts, right? It feels so weird. I mean, it's not the sort of product that you would need a yearly update, but yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd want to see something either in WWDC this year, you know, at least hinted at, or for mm-hmm. certain by um, the September October timeframe when they release new devices. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something new you can do it right. AirPlay three, or um, now they made a smaller one that's cheaper, and you could put a thousand of them in your house and just mm-hmm. have you know wall to wall audio. Yeah, crazy. It's still a pretty sweet device though. This thing will last a very long time i think hmm. yeah so maybe we can't write apps for it or something right or whatever or what would you do though yeah you you can't directly write stuff for it you do the siri shortcut t- stuff we can barely handle uh accessibility as it is right <laughs> why are my photos going up to google again what the hell ink is off so why are my photos going up there is it because know. some some upgrade happened and an option changed? Um, I don't know if you saw me complaining over the uh, the holidays. So Twitter had event not eventually had finally given us back the option to change from top tweets as being your timeline to oh, really? just give me the most recent. Looks like yeah. a little I don't know smattering of diamond stars in the corner. And uh, uh, oh, is that what that does? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I switched it, and then yeah, it switched back just on its own. Yeah. And it says, oh, you know, after after being away for a while, we'll, we'll switch back i was like oh, i'd only been away for six hours <laughs> it's like why did you switch it back I, I wonder why you did facebook does that too because if you go into if you when you go to facebook you see whatever they think that you want they want you to see right and you have to go into a button and, and say show me the, the you know the recent the most recent tweets or most recent posts and that works for a while and then the next time you go back in it's reset to what it was before so it's it, like it doesn't have any any um, persistence at all right it just yeah, yeah the world according to whatever some algorithm thinks we want to see, right? Oh, the, the captain of uh, 
of Captain and Tennille died. Really? Yeah. Just, huh. uh, so did Super Dave Osborne. Do you know who he is? I did. I don't know he died. No. Yeah, he died today. Super Super Dave Osborne. Yeah, apparently he was going to come out on the new... Or he was projected to come out of the Curb Your Enthusiasm, but he was uh, he was too sick to do it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I watched that Jerry Seinfeld um, comedians driving in cars getting coffee, and he was in there a couple of times, a couple of episodes. Yep. Yeah, that was a good show. So have you guys seen uh, Bandersnatch yet? Oh, yeah. That Bandersnatch is really good. Have you seen it, Jaime? I have not. Um, I was going to watch it with my fiance when she gets back in the town. He's coming back yeah. from her holiday stuff. A little bit different than I am. It's really interesting. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it's an interactive yeah. one, right? That's what the news yeah. I saw. Like a choose-your-own-adventure mm-hmm. sort of book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Did you get all the way to the end, Mark? Several times through different paths. Oh, really? Same ending or what? No, a couple of different endings. Really? Yeah. I think that there's a couple of trap yeah. endings where you think you've ended in, or it's the wrong ending or, you know, it's a disasterly right. ending. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But that's how those books used to work, right? Yeah. You'd get halfway through yeah. the book and then you're you're done. You're dead, you know? Yeah. So you have to go back to the beginning and start again, right? Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no spoilers. <laughs> Not yet. Anybody get out to the theaters and watch any movies? No, I've been watching. I, I binged a bunch of shows on uh, the Netflix, even though I said I don't binge, right? <laughs> <laughs> what did you binge? Um, there's a, there was a show about going to Mars with uh, Sean Penn, which, you know, was, was okay. I binged all the, the uh, Jerry Seinfeld um, ones I just talked about. Mm-hmm. I watched a few a couple of comedy specials. I watched the Black Mirror episode. I did finish um, Game of Thrones. Mm. Went all the way through the whole I watched game. Mindhunter. Have you seen that one? No, what's that one about? It's about uh, FBI agents chasing, or not so much chasing, but but trying to figure out what serial killers were all about back in the 70s. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting. Oh, I've seen series. one or two episodes, and the, the killer that they talked to, that they're interviewing in the th- um, in the prison is like hella creepy. Yeah. So yeah. I, need to, I need to finish that. So there's a few of them like that. <laughs> Pretty much every episode has one of those. <laughs> so is that on Netflix or? Yep. Did you guys see Bird Box? I, this is another movie that I'll watch no, I haven't with seen that fiance. one yet. I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah. Oh, you know what I watched? I watched, um, um, Avengers Infinity War came on Netflix this weekend. And so I watched that again, you know, and I was able to go back and rewind stuff. And it's a really good movie for a Marvel movie. Like, you know, I mean, I know they're all good, but but it's probably one of my favorite movies by them. But I, I don't know if you have to, like, know all the characters and what have you. But it, it made a lot more sense watching it, you know, in my own pace as opposed to sitting in a movie with a movie theater with 3D goggles on, right? So Yeah, you're probably able to catch more of the Easter eggs and some of the Well, more of the, the nuance setups. Of, of the characters and who they are and, you know, what happened and, you know, where they, they show up early in the in the thing and they have a role later on or whatever. Yeah. I still, I didn't see the Easter egg with the, the guy from um, uh, Arrested Development and the, what's the guy, that, the, the collector's collection, you know? You know about that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the balding guy with the glasses and mustache. Yeah, yeah, the blue guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never knew. Oh, um, yeah. What's his name? Funny comedian. Um, David. He's done the show. David Cross. Yeah. David Cross, yeah. All right. All right. I'll talk yeah, to you guys later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.